0: This week's a uh, Photographic Life, the return of the conversation after a summer break. I decided to drop the music so we had even more time to fit in the conversation. So don't worry if you haven't heard that uh, usual tune to welcome this particular episode. If you're new to this... Every month, in the first week of every month, I meet up with Bill Shapiro and we talk about photography in all its different uh, aspects. So who's Bill? Well, Bill uh, served as the editor-in-chief of Life, the legendary photo magazine, and was Life's relaunch uh, editor in 2004. Uh, which was the largest in Time Inc.'s history. Later, he was the founding editor-in-chief of Life.com, which won the 2011 National Magazine Award for Digital Photography. He's the author of several books, among them Gus and Me, a children's book he co-wrote with Rolling Stone's guitarist Keith Richards, and What We Keep, which looks at the objects in our life, that hold the most emotional significance. A fine art photography curator for New York galleries and a consultant to photographers, Shapiro is also a contributing editor to the Leica Conversations series. He's written about photography for the New York Times magazine, Vanity Fair, The Atlantic, Vogue and Esquire, among others. Every Friday, more or less, he posts under the radar photographers on his Instagram feed where he's at Bill Shapiro. Now, you're probably aware of my background if you listen to the podcast, but suffice to say, I've spent 40 years working with professional photography as an art director, as a photographer, as an editor, and now as a broadcaster, also as a filmmaker and lecturer. Anyway, this episode is about the pivot. So let's get into it, shall we? So, Bill, welcome back to the conversation. Welcome back to the podcast after a, a little summer hiatus. Um, you put forward the idea that we should talk about pivoting. Um, what do you want to talk about pivoting and what do you mean
1: by pivoting? When I, I want to talk about pivoting because the last two conversations you and I had were about AI, if you recall. <clears throat> very passionate conversations. and. The subject raises a lot of passions in certainly in the people that I interviewed, um, you know, before we spoke. And a lot of there was a lot of fear and a lot of them were saying, oh, no, when I when AI really comes, I won't be able to do this part of my practice or all of my practice. And I'm scared and I'm going to have to start looking for something else to do. I'm going to have to I'm going to have to pivot to something. I don't know what it's going to be. And so that's really why I started thinking about this moment in a person's career, whether they're a photographer or not, when they have to think about making a change and that change could be because of external circumstances or internal circumstances. And I want to talk about all of that and, and, you know, why change can be a great thing and not something to be scared of. So this word "pivot"
0: it seems to be something that a lot of people are using now. As, I, as far as I'm concerned, it seems to have come out of politics. Every politician seems to be pivoting, um, which seems to be a word they use now instead of changing their mind. But what we well, about- actually, you know,
1: the the my experience of pivoting really took took off in in sort of startup business culture where a startup would think okay we're going to be a great uh you know genetics um startup and then they'd get signals from the audience or from the crowd or customers and they'd be like oh you know what we do this one thing really well but it's not actually genetics it's the design of our app so we're going to get into app designing and that's and that's the pivot Um, that's the kind of pivot that I guess I'm I'm thinking about.
0: But I think that's interesting in itself. I don't want to get too hung up in the semantics, but maybe they are important here in that if you say you're going to change direction or you're going to change what you're going to do, there's there's a real fear factor, or there can be a real fear factor attached to that. With the idea of using the word pivot, it's It kind of, to me, makes a suggestion of kind of a change of direction that may not be necessarily a complete change of um, practice of what we do. So are you talking about photographers afraid of AI who think they might not be able to be photographers? Or are we talking about photographers saying, I want to photograph a different type of um um a uh, subject area or change my client base or or change the people who are commissioning me or, or whatever
1: yes all of the above okay <laughs> in that case um where do you want to start there's sort of um two prongs here one is when external circumstances and i would say ai is one of them or i would say you know, the sort of death of the or the slow, the slow dying and withering of like the magazine industry is an external circumstance where you feel like you might not be able to do the kind of work at the kind of volume you were able to do before. And then there's the internal circumstances, which are, you know what, my passion for this isn't there or that's so exciting. I really want to get into that just because it's making my heart tick. So I could start in, in in either internal or external. Well, I, I think I'd like to start with external because I've got a horrible feeling
0: or maybe a good feeling that this may take up more than one episode. So why don't we start with the external and see where that leaves us? That sounds great. OK, so let me just start off. The, I suppose in a sense when you said about pivoting um, and we have had AI certainly brought out some rigorous conversation and bizarrely enough, I'm just as passionate about the idea of pivoting. And that may sound strange, but it's based very much on being the person who used to commission photography for years. And my understanding that what you're looking for in a photographer is somebody who is not only passionate about photography, that's a given, but is passionate about the subject and knowledgeable about the subject. So if you want to photograph food or fashion or motor racing, whatever it may be, you've the passion for the subject has to come first. So you can't just wake up one morning and think, I want to be a food photographer because there's lots of work doing that. You've really got to have that passion as well. So I'm always a little bit nervous when people say to me they want to pivot uh, to something without sort of in-depth research into what that really means
1: so so let's say that there's an external circumstance and whether that's ai or whether that's um uh you know some sort of economic force and i'm realizing that as a, a, a documentary photographer um i can't make it anymore i can't make a living anymore the the it's just not there um, and i do need, and i do love taking pictures what am I going to do? You have to identify your
0: passion. And there's there's so many examples I could give of different photographers who've kind of thought, yeah, I can do this. And I, I, I'm slightly sort of caveating what I'm saying, because I think it also does really depend upon where you live, because different environments, different work environments, economic environments require different things from the photographer. If you're in a, london or in new york you know you've got to be super specialized in an area if you're living in a slightly more rural area then you might be called upon to do different kinds of things and you would be more of a general photographer but you need to really understand the economic uh, climate in in that region in which you're living
1: right so so but let's talk about that like i think I think, you know, let's just take the case of I'm a documentary photographer and I'm not getting as many magazine assignments as I as I one time did. I think you can say, okay, my skills are in documentary photography. Now, what am I going to do? You know, there's no home for that stuff. But I think if you, you know, and I'm not talking about all documentary photographers, but I think for some, if they were to really think about what's at the bottom of their passion. It's a connection with other people. And so I think there are other places in the photography world where someone who loves connecting with people can pivot to, to extend, um, uh, or sort of billow their career. And I'm not saying they're going to do it overnight. It's going to take time. You know, you, you probably have to, and this is what I think we should talk about. You know, you do have to think about yourself as if you were just starting out in the field even though you've been doing this one thing for 15 years who should i talk to what's who's on my networking list um are there people that i can trail and sort of uh follow even if i'm 40 years old follow them around and see how they do what they do you know i think there's there's some learning but i don't think that you should cast the opportunity to learn aside ever
0: no, I completely agree with you. But it, it, what you're saying takes me back to um, when I was the editor of a, a magazine called Professional Photographer. Um, that magazine, when I took it over, was very much about wedding photography and kind of social event photography. And uh, I really wanted to make it about pro- what I perceived to be professional photography, which was a very broad canvas of commissioned work. Um, and I actually removed most of the wedding and social photography, pretty much all of it. And a few people were kind of challenging me who didn't like it. And they sort of saying, well, you know, what do you call a professional photographer? And um, I came up with this kind of very loose uh, definition. And it was basically that if you're a professional photographer, you're commissioned by people whose job it is to commission photography. The other kind of work, which is the wedding work, the social work, when I mean social work, I mean kind of social event photography and so forth, that's domestic photography. And that's invariably commissioned by people who it isn't their job to commission photography. You know, you're hopefully only going to get married once, although I've certainly been married a couple of times, but... You know, you're going to commission that wedding photographer and then that job, that client goes. And so you've got to be really, really good at marketing yourself because you're constantly marketing yourself if you're working in that domestic role. And if we take your documentary photographer, it would make complete sense that they could document a wedding if they wish to do so the issue really i think is that there's a different requirement of the photographer to market themselves in different ways and i think it requires the the photographer who's going to pivot as you quite rightly say has really got to think i'm starting off at the the beginning again here i've got new skills to learn
1: right and i think those skills include uh marketing and and client re- development and client relations for sure so, uh, you know, I actually now that you mentioned the wedding photography and documentary photography, um I did speak with uh someone who fits this case um sort of to a T. How would you feel about me me reading some of her thoughts? As always, I I welcome I welcome this. Um great. Well, so I spoke with um Laura Kleinheitz. Um I've known Laura for maybe 20 years now and I I love her work. She owns her own, I'm going to say, non-traditional wedding photography business in Los Angeles called DocuVite, in which she frequently shoots the weddings of Hollywood and and music celebrities and also, you know, just regular people. Her approach is uh, sort of documentary fine art, which makes sense because she was a successful documentary photographer before her pivot. So I asked um, Laura to describe the kind of work she did before she made the move to DocuVite. And she says, "Quote: My first career was in photojournalism. I primarily took magazine assignments. I shot regularly for the New York Times, Time Magazine, and Newsweek, as well as other newspapers and magazines. And applied for grants to pursue long-term, long-format documentary work. Uh, I was repped by Saba Press Photos in Miami. This was in 1998 to 2000, and she was covering, and I, and I was covering Florida and the Caribbean, Central America, even South America. After capturing Elion Gonzalez." which was the little boy from Cuba who was sort of, um, taken back there. Um, I, reloc- I relocated to Washington DC to try my hand at political photography. And then I asked her, why did she leave magazine assignment photojournalism for docu And she, and she uh, told me quote, when I was in my twenties, My mom was in need of financial support. And although I was a working journalist with assignments and interesting documentary projects, it was clear that journalism was not a way to support myself and have enough disposable income to help my mom too. The industry was shrinking, magazines were shutting down, and the long-term state of journalism wasn't looking good. So I moved to LA originally to pursue work as a film set photographer. You know, so that was her first idea of a, of a pivot. But then she goes on to say, I ended up shooting two weddings for a friend who had a wedding photography studio. I took my Canon film cameras and two Leicas uh, M6s and she let me borrow her Raleigh. And I realized how journalistic and creative shooting a wedding could be. It made me realize that sh- a shooting weddings might actually give me more creative license than journal than the journalism field um, did. And which which had such a clear style. And so I found that really interesting that she was actually pleasantly surprised by how much more creative she could be in in this new field she was sort of dipping her toe into.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, perhaps this is a good place to begin because I can imagine a lot of photographers thinking that, you know, there's always been a stigma attached to being a wedding photographer. Um A lot of wedding photographers come from that idea of looking at it in amateur photography magazines and learning that way. Uh, But I think that, you know, that one, there shouldn't be a stigma. They're incredibly difficult to do, but it is visual storytelling, you know, at at its kind of most important that it's such an important day for the person. I think what's interesting from her perspective is obviously she's working with creative people, uh, very interesting stories. and. For the majority of people, they haven't got that. You know, if if you've got to try and get some good pictures at the local registry office um, and the person doesn't want to pay you very much money, you know, wedding photography is hard work. Oh, yeah,
1: for sure. But but I think that's part of the way that she chose to nudge her business based on her skills. You know, um, she was looking for people who would give her more leeway to be expressive in her, uh, in her art and in her work. Um, and you're right. Not everybody can do that, but, um, I think she was very wise to follow that approach as opposed to, um, as you were describing a slightly more conservative, you know, call it cookie cutter approach.
0: If you're lucky enough to get, to get into that and you're living in LA and and whatever. Right.
1: I asked her, psychologically and emotionally, was it was it hard for you to leave your previous career behind? And I think this is getting to something, Grant, that you were starting to hit at. And she answered, quote, yes and no. It was definitely psychologically difficult to leave it behind. But if I'm being honest with myself, a lot of that was really about my ego. When somebody asks you, what do you do for a living? And I could answer, oh, I shoot, uh, shoot a lot for Time and Newsweek. And immediately built a picture of someone doing interesting work for well-known entities. Tell them you shoot weddings and it falls kind of flat. They think, oh, you're a wedding photographer. The other thing that was hard to accept was the feeling that my new line of work had value. Journalists are taught that what they do is valued by society, that their work is a critical part of keeping people informed. It's taken me a long time to realize, she writes, that this work, uh, um, she says rather, that this work is valuable too. While the audience is much smaller, the value to those who hire me is much greater.
0: You're, you're hitting all sorts of buttons here for me, because it reminds me about being in the States in the early 2000s, late 1990s. And if I used to say to somebody I was a photographer in America, uh, particularly in New York, they would say, well, who do you work for? If I was to say it here in the UK, they would say, do you do weddings or are you paparazzi? And I think there's a lot in that of kind of that kind of uh, understanding of w- what the role of the photographer is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And what what I like so much about what what Laura said here, which not everybody is willing to cop to. Is the is the piece of ego, you know, is the ego part of all this and equally important, the self-identity part, you know, if you identify as a certain kind of photographer for many years, and then you feel like you have to switch, um, that's a hard thing. And it's a hard thing to think of yourself in a new way. And I think that's, that's scary.
0: I agree with you. And I think that's why the use of the word pivot, it's, it's kind of perhaps an easier one to use than changing feels more kind of developmental or evolutionary than a kind of, I failed at that. I've got to do something else.
1: A hundred percent. And, you know, I, I, I think, and this is moving to the, to the internal space, but when I think about pivoting, you know, I think about this basketball player we used to have in the United States, pivoting is a, is a basketball term. Um, his name was Michael Jordan, and he was very good at basketball, so good that he won all these championships and then decided, you know what, I want to play baseball. Um, and so he gave up this sport that he was, you know, the the top. He was the, he was the number one guy and tried baseball and, you know, didn't do so well. Um, but I don't think that's something he regretted. You know, he went back to basketball, of course, afterwards. But I think it is an evolutionary thing. And sometimes you, you know, you you can't be the best anymore, but you want to try something new. Yeah, he certainly did okay with trainers. Yeah, he did. He did okay. He did okay with that.
0: (laughs) Well, so here's the thing. If we look at the idea of the photographer as a visual storyteller, if we think about them as having a huge range of transferable soft skills, which I think they do have around communication, then, you know, in answer to your question about the pivot and where I was kind of saying at the beginning here is if you are a photographer taking photographs because you want to be a photographer, then I think you really need to identify what you really mean by being a photographer. Because from my perspective, You know, photography is like a laptop. It's just a means to an end. And what's really important is why are you doing it and what do you want to do with it? So if you are a documentary photographer who is obsessed with Formula One, it would make complete sense for you to pivot into that area of motor racing or telling stories in that environment. But it wouldn't make sense for you to move into the studio Um, And be a food photographer unless you've got a passion for food.
1: No, but also if you do like Formula One and you like cars and you like shiny objects, it's possible that over time you could hone your skills into doing perhaps studio shots of cars. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And and there's there's a photographer I know of, Justin Layton, who was a documentary photographer in Sarajevo and so forth, and is now um, one of the leading car photographers in the UK. It also reminds me of a a great story of a photographer called Roger Stoll here in the UK, who um, was a leading fashion photographer. Things went a little awry for Roger. And um, he then spent a year locked up in a studio um, photographing food came out at the, uh, at the end of that year with an incredible food photographer and to this day is, is an incredible food photographer.
1: So was that a situation where I'm so curious about that, where he, you know, d- didn't have, um, lots of quote unquote food skills or maybe food lighting skills or, or styling skills and basically went and, uh, taught himself or had people teach him how to be that thing. No, he taught
0: himself, he cooked the food, he photographed it. Uh, Roger, if you don't know Roger Stoll, S-T-O-W-E-L-L, he now lives in rural France and he's on Instagram every day photographing the food he makes. Um, So he was self-taught and I think if you're going to pivot You need to understand, you can't, I once had somebody come to me and say, and the reason I use this food um, analogy is it's it's come up so often for me as an art director. I want to shoot food for you. And I'm like, okay, show me the work. And they're like, well, I haven't got any, but I can do it. And I was like, well, I'm working with the best there is. So why should I work with you just because you tell me you can do it? You need to show me. So if you are going to pivot you really need to think about this as a long term pivot and you need to create a body of work that's going to convince other people
1: that you are the new thing that you say you want to be it would it would take some discipline but if you feel a pivot coming on i think it would be so wise to develop a curriculum for yourself and the way to start that is probably try to talk to a couple of photographers let's just say in this case food You know, try to take a couple of food photographers out for coffee or a drink, find out the skills that you need, and then start trying to teach those to yourself. And whether that's YouTube videos or asking people to show you how to do it, or just experimenting, experimenting, experimenting as as the photographer you just mentioned did, you know, I think the discipline is how do I teach myself this new skill over X number of months or years? I think that's the case.
0: I think it really. But again, I'm I'm sort of caveating this because I'm feeling quite often when I speak to um, students and I'm teaching them, particularly if they're um, from, for example, from Australia or from South Africa or what have you, where the, the photographic environment requires a photographer to perhaps dip their toe into different areas of work. They might do a little bit of fashion, a little bit of portraiture, a little bit of documentary, because the um, the competition there isn't as strong. But if they're going to say to me, I'm going to be working in London or New York or L.A. or wherever it may be, or Paris, Milan, uh, in Germany you know that you're going to be saying some you're going to be up against the very best food the very best fashion photographers so you need to be really good at that one thing so i think the the pivot
1: is kind of geographically based um so that's 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 interesting um you know and as far as the new skills that you have to learn on the job like i think if you're a documentary photographer you're probably pretty good at working with people and I think, you know, that's that's where you are going to get your, your juice. If you're someone who is a food photographer, my guess is, and you probably know more about this than I do, that lighting is incredibly important. Well, I mean, lighting is important in all areas of photography. Well, right. But yeah. if you're in a studio shooting mashed potatoes, um, you know, to make it look a... Uh, certain way in that moment. Um, But, but in any case, you know, one of the things I asked Laura was about skills um, that she didn't know that she sort of, that, that, that she had to pick up. And, And there were two that jumped out that I thought was kind of interesting. So she's going from documentary to wedding And she said shooting group shots was not something um, that I'd ever had to manufacture on journalistic jobs. And it requires wrangling, directing large groups of people and getting everyone to listen, focus and do what you need them to do in a short amount of time. So I thought that was like a pretty interesting skill that, you know, caught sort of caught her by surprise. And the other one was. You know, you need to make flattering uh, photographs of people, she told me. As a journalist, I captured the moment and made interesting photographs, but making sure the subject looked glamorous wasn't part of the deal. When shooting weddings, even if shooting with a journalistic eye and aiming to be artistic, people also want to look good.
0: Well, you know, you said about a, a documentary photographer being good with people. You you know, you've worked on magazines, as have, as have I. You know, the, the skills required to actually go to a group of people and make them feel comfortable and make an image work and construct an image is very different from being a documentary photographer. And it also requires a huge amount of ability to be collaborative. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges for a lot of photographers who move into, I mean, we haven't even scratched the surface yet about the idea of photographers moving into moving image and, and pivoting and put into perhaps the most obvious place for them to go. Which is filmmaking.
1: Right. Um, I spoke with Sean Gallagher um, between um, 2016 and 2021. Sean, who lives in New York City, served as a photographer in charge of promotional and documentary backstage stills for The Daily Show. Uh, And then in 2021, he did the same for The Tonight Show. So in that capacity, he shot everyone from Trevor Noah to Oprah to Steve Martin to Bernie Sanders and to Ricky Gervais. You know, every night he shot celebrities. Um, So, you know, it seems like a pretty amazing job. So I asked him why he'd want to leave. And he told me this. And this is, you know, I think more moving towards the internal um, you know, it was just sort of time for him. And he says, well, it's still show business. Nothing is ever a steady dream job in a world where a show can be canceled because of a tweet and talent always have, has different plans than everyone else. I've been working backstage in various capacities since I was 18 years old. And I've always thought that the most interesting show at any show is backstage. The inherent problem, though, is that it's generally expected that what happens there stays there. So the most interesting images are often never used or the people doing the choosing don't understand what they have. Or there's no way, at least in their eyes, to use those images to maximize clicks and likes. So Sean was clearly feeling a little bit, I think, uh, creatively restrained. And frustrated that these great images he was making on a daily basis and on a nightly basis um, weren't, weren't being able to sort of see the light of air, uh, the light of the day. And where did he pivot to? He he told me, uh, "quote I'm currently shooting key art portraits and all kinds of subjects on set and backstage." And I'm working more on theater, film, and episodic on the episodic television side of things, as opposed to the grip and grin churn of late night when I'm so he's freelance now. And he and he told me when I'm shooting in my own studio, I get to build and control my own looks as opposed to working in the world that someone else has lit. Uh, And I love that. I'm also coaching and mentoring a few people and pursuing a number of personal projects, including a book showcasing my family's antique tool collection so it seems to me as if both of these guys um have pivoted
0: for the same reason which is that they've okay there was a financial kind of connection with moving towards weddings but at the same time they are they're both trying to find sort of some photographic freedom some space for expression
1: um i think that's true you know i think laura didn't necessarily know and this is what i love about her story that wedding photography was going to give her that kind of freedom and freedom of expression that she sort of discovered that as she was getting into it. So that was kind of like a side benefit, um, that she didn't expect. You know, I asked him, um, if he was scared to make the jump. And when I spoke to the photographers I mentioned at the, t- at the top of our talk about, you know, the threat of a- AI, these folks were all very scared to, to try their hand at something else. So I asked, I asked Sean if he was scared to make the jump, and he says, "I was, and I'm still nervous. Being a photographer these days is nerve wracking. The endless hustle is exhausting. Social media is draining. Being a small business person is hard, and it's lonely. Making all new connections is grueling. At the end of the day, though, if I'm making a living with a camera in my hand, um, I'm happy." and and i asked him if it was hard to leave that previous career behind and he says it wasn't hard in terms of being ready but it was hard because it was what i had become accustomed to and let's face it stability is com- is comfortable even if it's merely the illusion of stability which i think is a great point um he, he told me that covid blew up everything so i think there are, i i think having that giant shock made it easier and i had more clarity than I would have had otherwise. It was time. I sometimes miss the pressure and the craziness of working in front of a live audience, but I don't miss everything that went along with it.
0: Yeah. I wonder if there is a a fault here in education that uh, people studying photography, again, I suppose I'm speaking from personal experience because I ensure that we do give this to our student but i know that a lot of places don't is that a lot of people studying photography going into work as photographers over the last few decades um are perhaps not made aware enough of how much that that pushing that marketing that collaboration that constant selling how important that is to being a photographer
1: i mean i think that's 100% right and i think you know um it, it is going to involve probably a new Instagram feed and uh, a new website or a new section of your website. It may involve um, doing something you haven't done before, like an email, you know, like a newsletter list. Um, so so there are there are a lot of things that that I think have to be um, considered. Um, I do want to say one more thing because, because I, along these lines, I asked Sean, if he had any advice for photographers thinking about pivoting or just trying something new. And this kind of echoes something you said earlier, Grant, he said, um, Sean, Sean said, absolutely do what you love. But Try to get good at a bunch of different things first. For example, I regularly shoot portraits, documentary, tabletop product, food, landscape. There's nothing anyone can ask me to shoot that I'm that I'm not comfortable shooting. Be able to shoot in natural light, in studio, or on someone's couch. Know how to get um, correct color without a calibrated monitor. Knowing all this, it doesn't feel like quite as much of a pivot as you think. And with these tools, anyone can pivot or try something new. Just take stock of what you do and what you know, and conversely, what you don't know, and see how it could apply somewhere else. I have a friend who was a wedding photographer, he told me, um, and was worried she'd be a wedding photographer forever. Meanwhile, she was a total warrior, could go anywhere with all the gear, shoot in any light, was comfortable directing subjects and shooting under pressure, thought nothing of turning images around in a tight time frame. And those are skills that can be used in any field.
0: But this is the key to the whole thing. I think um,
1: is that it's
0: so um, negative. It's such a negative approach that, too many photographers I think bring to the idea of being a photographer that you have to be siloed that you have to be in this kind of one box that doesn't talk to another box or it looks down on the other box and I I talk about this all of the time primarily because what you know Sean's talking about there are basic photography skills which are adaptable but then they could be adaptable to the thing you love the passion that the passion the interest is what gives you your subject matter but you know you don't have to say i'm a landscape photographer i'm a still life photographer i'm a documentary you know we're they're all visual communicators all visual storytellers that's right and i think
1: to your point you know if you have the goods <laughs> you know you you can call yourself whatever you want and when somebody says okay show me some show, show me your food photos and if they're great you can call yourself You know, just about anything.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But I think the really key thing to understand here is, and I suppose it goes back to this thing. That's why I was questioning about pivot. Are we talking about pivoting from subject matter to subject matter? Or are we talking about pivoting because of an economic situation that I think a lot of what I know a lot of photographers are facing, which is that suddenly there is no work for doing that thing anymore. Therefore I've got to pivot to be a filmmaker or to be a DOP or to work in a completely different area.
1: So there's a photographer I know he was, um, I'm not going to mention his, his name, um, he was very successful, you know, very successful. top of, top of the top of the heap um, made cover images for, for Newsweek and Time and, and, and other international magazines. And he started to feel you know journalism dr- drying up and the lack of pages. And so he did this interesting thing. He started contacting large um, tech companies and asking if they were interested in having like a visual historian. And as communication gets so much more visual these days, um, somebody, you know, a big tech company said yes. And so that's what he's doing now. He's he's sort of left the freelance uh, and magazine world behind and is documenting um, sort of day-in, day-out events for this company. But I think that's such a clever
0: idea, isn't, isn't it? it? Well, I, yeah, because, you know, you're saying, okay, I've got these skills... Um, traditionally these people wanted these skills, uh, these people are no longer there. Therefore I need to go out and find other
1: people who would benefit from my skills. Right. So, you know, if, if you are a wedding photographer, you know, there are other things that you could see that you could sort of drift into if you wanted to, and that could be shooting, you know, big corporate, uh, yearly events or whatever, which has some of the same dynamic. It's a very different skill set required. And that's why
0: I kind of put that thing of domestic photographer, uh-huh. and professional photographer, because if you're really good as a domestic, that's nothing to do with the the work you're creating. It's purely the fact of working with people who aren't used to commissioning, as opposed to working with people whose profession it is to commission. They're two really different areas. And I think to jump between the two is really, really tricky. I think that's where the difficulty is, that if you're used to working with a really good picture editor and suddenly you've got to speak to somebody who knows nothing about photography and might actually be a little bit condescending towards you, you've got to be okay at eating quite a large chunk of humble pie.
1: You know, I think that's such a great point. And again, goes back to some of the, Discussion we've had around around ego and identity What you just said the humble pie uh, can't can't really be overstated. It's a it's a big deal.
0: It is a big deal. And I think it's a big deal, particularly if you've had a successful career for maybe a, a number of decades. And then you suddenly find yourself in a position where the phone isn't ringing anymore and nobody is commissioning you. And you lose that sense of worth because you've no longer got that sense of validation. Which would be coming through with the commission, so this idea of pivoting I think is it's got so many aspects to it. it almost needs it. I hate charts, but it almost needs a chart to sort of explain what pivoting really is and and where you can go
1: yeah I mean i i I, I think that's right, and I think that might be a nice transition to the to the last photographer I spoke with, um who's Phil Toledano. Phil, Phil shot for us when I was at life magazine, um, he shot at least two covers, maybe more. And I think that he shot the magazine's final cover, uh, before closed, he's the kind, he's the kind of photographer, like so smart, so creative, so conceptual that like, I'd want to know the minute his film came into the office and he, and he never disappointed. So I asked Phil what he did before his most recent pivot. And he, he said, And I didn't know this, that he, he told me I left advertising around 2000 to become a photographer. And right from the start, I always made art. My first uh, book was published in 2005 for more than a decade. I shot regularly for magazines, New York times, magazine, the New Yorker time life, et cetera. um, During which I continued to make art. That was, and that was really what gave me joy and satisfaction. So I asked him when when that started to change, and he says, I, "I suppose at some point, and it wasn't a conscious decision necessarily. I began to take less editorial work, and I'm sure less was being offered. And I started to focus mostly on art. During the pandemic, I also started a clothing brand, which was unexpectedly successful. And it's a business I'm totally unsuited to run because it requires um, legendary organizational skills. I asked him psychologically and emotionally." if it was hard to leave his previous career behind. And he said, it wasn't hard to leave editorial behind, although I enjoyed the variety and the challenge. I'm still an artist, so my identity remains intact. You have to approach the new career as though it's your first, with the same psychotic enthusiasm and zeal. And you have to be humble and know that you must prove yourself all over again.
0: It reminded me of Bill Owens, you know, the photographer who who now... Um, has a beer and I think gin or vodka uh, company as well. And he's kind of much, much more comfortable talking about beer than he is about his kind of classic books of photography of the
1: 1970s. Well, I'm so glad you brought Bill up. He is such, you know, his his books in the 70s, um, Suburbia, etc., are so fantastic. I'm a huge fan. And then he went, as you said, he became a, a brewer and distiller Um, toured everywhere. And now he's doing something in addition to that, which is he is making um, graphic novels and they're quite good. No photographic images. He's writing and um, producing graphic novels. So here's somebody who takes whatever small piece of thread he has and, and is able to sort of string it along and continue.
0: So it raises this this point, doesn't it, as to especially that idea of the clothing brand as well, which I love that. And I just wonder if the photographer who only perceives themselves as a photographer um, is actually sort of closing down their options for themselves.
1: I think that is the crystallization of this entire conversation grant because I think it really comes down to how you think of yourself what your identity is and can you isolate and define the other skills that go into doing what you do and I think once you do that if it means sitting down and making a long list if it means you know talking to a career coach or a friend and enumerating all the skills and talents that you have that go into this thing we call photographer. I think it'll really help people see where the opportunity is for them.
0: um, ahead. You know, I, over the last few years and, and I've, I've written a, a few things about this saying, you know, is it moral to actually teach photography? Because there are a number of people I talk to and I say, well, you know, I teach photography, I lecture at a university uh, and I get hit by photographers saying, how can you do that? You're just taking um, money from people and there aren't any jobs and we don't need more photographers. And my kind of rejoinder to that is always, I'm not creating photographers I'm creating people who hopefully can gain soft skills alongside an understanding of photography as a language which they could then take into marketing or social media or to any anywhere else you like to, you know you could you could um, you could explain or talk about and it makes me wonder if there is a hangover of photographers perhaps shall we say in there now late thirties, forties, fifties, and on, who have grown up with this idea that to be a photographer, you have to be a photographer and nothing else. Whereas I've been saying to people over the last few years, do you know what? There's nothing wrong with having another job. There's, you know, that doesn't make your photography a hobby because even if you're working on a commissioned basis, there are always times when a commission can come in and you can't do it because you're busy. Now, nobody needs to know that you're busy because you're doing something else. Um, that's okay. You can you can do and you can make things work however you want to make them work. You don't need to feel this kind of external pressure
1: to be something that other people think you should be. I also think that those things you do on the side... Um you know, whether it's a, a quote unquote day job, like you're a, a baker or you're doing something, you know, creative and artistic, what, whatever it is, um, all those things can feed into your practice because if you are a, a baker or a, a butcher or a candlestick maker, you know, you will start to learn about that community and, and the, and, and meet people who come into the shop or whatever, and all that stuff can inform um, you know, your next project.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's exactly the same as, you know, for, uh, conflict photographers being embedded with the army. You know, they're living the life to try and tell the story. And I know you you put some great pictures, which had been made by a, a bartender over a number of years on your Instagram. And there's a, a New York, uh, Abby, who, who put a whole body of work together.
1: So th- there's I mean, a- I, You know what? I think that's a great- um, So the photographer's name is John Banasiak. And he was a kid living in Chicago, working at a bar to pay for himself to go to art school. And he took this amazing series of pictures of people who went to this, you know, uh, very tight community Polish bar and his pictures are phenomenal. And I think he would never have had that body of work, you know, if he hadn't been a bartender on the side. That's such a great example, Grant.
0: Well, it also reminds me of Joseph Szabo, of course, who was a teacher photographing high school kids. Yep.
1: So th- there is a rich history
0: of this. I, th- you know, I think one of the really key things that always comes up out of our communication and uh, communicate our conversation, I should say, and communications is that uh, there are themes which are not new today, but are actually kind of uh, uh, part of the foundation of fo- the photographic medium, which. Come up in different forms, but there's always something there in the history of the medium that we can reference and say, "Yeah, you know
1: what? It's okay. You can do that. Look, look what can come from it." That's right, and I, and I think that people, re- photographers, really need to keep their eyes open um, and their hearts open for those kind of opportunities, rather than seeing it as a setback that I have to work in a bakery to make everything work. Um, really, really think about what you're getting from that in terms of, um, future photographic projects.
0: Photography is life. It's not a camera. Oh, well said. (laughs) That's probably a good place to leave it. Now, what do you think? Do you think we need another episode to talk about that kind of inner turmoil? Because I I think we probably do.
1: I, I, I think we should. I mean, I think there's so much changing in the field and I think, as more people do take on column side hustles um, or, uh, you know, second or third jobs or even passion projects, I I, I think there's a lot going on inside that is worth discussing. Yeah, I agree with you. And as
0: always, if you're listening to this and you want to join the conversation, then uh, drop us an email through the website, get in touch with Bill. Uh, through his um, Instagram. Is that the best way still, Bill? Yes, yes. And the Instagram is, is at Bill Shapiro. Uh, and I have to say thank you to so many of you who've been sending us uh, comments, making comments on social media about the conversation, joining in the conversation, giving us feedback. Uh, it's really appreciated. This is a conversation between two people. But it, I think we're dealing with universal themes here. So it's wonderful to have the input. As always, Bill, thank you to the people you spoke to. And and you'll, you'll list their Instagram feeds on the on the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. I always try and put their websites as well. So
1: once again, Bill, time has flown. Um, Thank you so much, Grant. And it's also nice to um, to have come back from our previous session, which was very fiery and rigorous was your word. And that was fun, too. Um, I'm glad we're back on the same page here. Well, I, I'm not sure that's a good
0: thing because a lot of the listeners said how much they enjoyed our uh, badinage. So uh, maybe we should uh, get a little bit angry with each other in the next episode. Uh, I'm I'm ready for for professional wrestling. Okay, well, that's you're taking a little bit too far, but never uh, mind. Um, <laughs> if you turn up in a Mexican mask for the next uh, conversation, I know I'm in trouble. Um, have uh, a great month and I look forward to catching up with you again uh, in the next episode. Thanks so much, Grant. Thank you for listening and take care.